right, we're back. Sorry, not Gate 14 podcast. We are back. Avery might be a little bit on the IL, the boys in the shambles, but we are joined by a very, very good friend of the show. 200 innings pitched last year, 3-6 ERA, 2021 All-Star. Most importantly, I put him in my back pocket three weeks ago when Michigan beat Ohio State. It is my good friend, Chris Bassett. What's up, Chris? How we doing, brother? Shambles. <laughs> I can't. Dude, how's the offseason going, junior. man? I mean, obviously, yeah, you, we've been grinding Fortnite all, all the time, just uh, buzzing away here. You've been spending time with your kids, but uh, how are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah, man, just just doing that. Just trying to – obviously, we have, like, what is it, like six weeks left until spring training, but um, I feel like this time of year, like, I blink, and all of a sudden I got a report. So I'm just – I'm literally just – panic trying to get everything done before i gotta leave in six weeks does your wife sneaky hate baseball season because like right now it's like she's just chilling obviously i mean she has you to help her out with the kids and stuff like that and then you go back to spring training and you're just mucking it up with the boys probably golfing just living the dream like does your wife just hate spring training um i would say i would say what it's not so much like a hate spring training man this hat bothered me I wouldn't say it's not so much like hate spring training. I would say it's more so like, uh, um, so like for instance, so like when we were with Oakland, she really had a lot of fun with, with like going back to spring training. So we met all of our friends and all that stuff. Well, like, and then going with to the Mets, then it was like not hate spring training, but it's tough because like she doesn't know anybody. So she can't like do like, dates with all the other girls and the kids and stuff like that um but now but now like and then obviously going to like the blue jade is tough it's tough as well because like we didn't we didn't know anybody like truly know anybody but now like she's like she's friends with the gosmans and the swansons and and obviously the springers and and all and all these type of people um with kids and families so yeah she's super jacked about it um so she's excited to see all like all like all the little kids again. I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's more so like once, once like the families become friends, it's a lot more fun to kind of like look forward to spring training. Are you uh are you an Arizona or Florida guy for spring training? Where would you rather be? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a, honest to God, uh, Arizona spring training absolutely kills Florida spring training. It's, I mean, it's, who, are, it's, who are we kidding here? It's the best. Arizona's the it's, best. It's literally, it ain't even close. <laughs> like it, it, it's not even close. I feel like Florida because you, you ha- it's just like the weather there, and I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, I'm not a science guy, but doesn't the ball travel more in Florida than it does in Arizona, Avery? No, hell no. No? Okay. Never mind that. I was going to say maybe the stats are padded and stuff like that. But I want, what I wanted to go into, Bassett, is I believe you told this to me and Avery. You don't throw in the offseason. And one thing that's like a conspiracy theory that we got last year was, oh, my God, Bassett's throwing like 88 in spring training. Can we debunk these fucking dumb idiots right now when this happens this year? And can you just kind of address that? Because that was really pissing me off last year and people were like, the Jays signed this guy. He's throwing 88 in spring training. Like, they overreact over spring training stuff. Yeah. But wh- where are you at right now, and why do you do that? Uh, no, so you're, you're, you're partly right. I throw in, in, in the offseason. I just don't throw, like, a ton of bullpens. And, like, you're not going to see me on Instagram. 
like I'm not throwing off a mound. Like I'm not I'm not coming in like full bore. That, that so like I'm 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 throwing now and I'm throwing for the next like month, but it's like just getting my arm going. Like it's not like I'm not trying to like come into spring training throwing 93, 94 miles an hour. So like I'm trying to come into spring training. Honest to God, I'm trying to come into spring training like 86, 87. Like as crazy as it is. Like, because I feel like in my head, the way that I think is is every single year I go about what went right and what went wrong. And then I'll just just and I feel like everyone should do that with every walk of life, like with 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 obviously gate 14, with everything, like what went right and what went wrong. Let's keep doing the things that went right and let's change the things that went wrong. Um, so for me with the Mets, um, this is obviously two years ago. Um, I came in full bore, um, ready to go in spring training. And I was pretty, I was feeling really, really good in spring training. Um and then the end of the year came and I was just gassed. Like, I was like, man, like my shoulder hurts. Like my velo, I feel like is like dropping because I feel like I have to throw, like I'm trying to throw hard and it's just not coming out right. Like the, the balls is not coming out right. My body's fatigued. So I was like, okay, well, how can I possibly feel better at the end of the year? Obviously training wise and all that stuff. So um, I bumped back all my training like a month i just said you know what like we, we have to try to steal we try we have to try to steal these days um when it doesn't really matter and try to add them to the back end of the season um so what i what i did i came up with a plan i was like all right like usually i'll start throwing like two years ago i started throwing like i would say like december 1st now now it's almost like it's 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 closer to like ended December um and there's a lot everyone's different like, there's a lot of people that just don't stop throwing and I'm just not one of those guys like I'm like listen my body needs a break I know my body like I'm super flexible I'm not gonna tighten up like a lot of guys worry about like tightening up and their shoulder tightening up and like whatnot that's not me like I, I can I can not do anything and be super loose um so <clears throat> yeah I don't worry about spring training and trying to impress people and trying to impress say Pete and Snides and all those guys. Like I want to impress them when the season starts. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to impress them in spring training. Like I don't, I don't need to impress them in spring training. They should know, they know by now, like, Hey, this is what this guy does. Like he's going to come in throwing 86 to 88. And by the, and I'm, what I'm trying to get to is when the season starts, I'm trying to be 90 to 93, 94. And that's still not even the, the right velo for me. But the one caveat, um, and I know we talked about this. I think we both talked about this. Uh, when I say both, both of you guys and me. Um, the one caveat that I, that kind of worries me, and I've changed it where I, I'm starting to throw early, a little earlier, is that last year um, – I felt like I wasn't quite ready enough out of the gates, but I was able to kind of sustain it um, and not just like blow a season up within the first month. Um, but this year to start the year is an absolute gauntlet. Yeah. Oh so, my God. So um, 
I feel like if I'm not prepared in, in April, um, I could easily be walking out of April with like a nine or 10. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so, and you'll have all of freaking Canada being like, this dude's washed. So, so I'm going to be coming into spring training a little bit more prepared arm wise, um, conditioning wise, strength wise, me and Scott Weberg, we're, we're, we're great. Um, we're unbelievable when it comes to that and getting getting that aspect right but we're definitely going to come into spring training i would say like a week or two earlier than than in the past but like make a long story short it's like two years ago the mets i was i was gaffed i was tired as hell um last year through 200 innings and i felt like i'm not i'm 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 being genuinely serious here i felt like i threw another hundred and be fine like hell the yeah, way, dude. The, the way the way that um we changed training, the way that we changed rehab, the way that we changed off season work, in season work, I felt great throwing two hundred innings. Um, so again, now it's now it's just what I did right, what I did wrong, and hopefully be better next year. Well, you talk about getting stronger. You were what four one? I think ERA first half two eight second half. So I think the that numbers second were... half was ridiculous, bro. That was <laughs> yeah, but... you and you and you and Kikuchi and Gossman and Bur- I guess everyone to be honest were just on the fucking loose second half. Yeah, but I just, I just think my second half, my first half numbers were super bad because I, I don't I don't know the breakdowns, but I think my April was terrible. Like I yeah, made the, like a four, the first start four, didn't five. help. Well, the the first start, I felt like I don't know, dude. I don't know if St. Louis had something on me or not, but I never even seen that before. Like I legit, like I, I I walked out of that start. I was like, I don't even know what the hell just happened. Like they every everything I threw at the plate, it was a home run somehow. I was like, what the what the absolute f is going on here? Yeah, that was uh, yeah. I guess I guess especially with a starting pitcher, you're one or two bad starts a month, and it just kind of ruins the entire month. So. That does make sense. But the next thing that I did want to talk about is obviously going into this season and stuff like that. You're here long-term, obviously. Are you more locked in with, like, free agent signings? I know we've talked about it, you and I individually, but are you, like, more really, really paying attention to, like, what this front office is doing since you're here longer than, I guess, a couple of, like, majority of the pitching staff and stuff like that? So are you, like, really paying attention to, like, what the office is doing and, uh, like, what's going on here? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm in talks with Pete. Um, I, I've had multiple talks with Ross and about things. Um, I've, I've had multiple talks with Schneids. I've had a multiple, multiple talks with a lot of people. And I mean, obviously, like we, we, we talk a lot about it. Like, and I know a lot, a lot more things than you guys know, but like, listen, Johnny sources is not going to get disclaimer. Johnny sources <laughs> will never get information from me. All right. Like you can bug me all you want. You're never, I've retired from the sources game though. You know that, I fast, I'm 4-0. that. <laughs> but I can't even I can't even tempt you. I can't do it. I know, so, you're, that's fine. And that's fine. I'm four and all retired on top. I'm tired of body bagging Ben Nicholson Smith and all those little uh <laughs> make-believe uh beat writers for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm done. I'm I'm cool. over it. It's fine. I'll retire four and oh. Have you done any recruiting yet this offseason for anyone? Um I put some names in of, of friends that I that I, I like um that I think they really help us. Um but yeah, I, I just think to answer your question, yes, I'm definitely highly invested. Um, obviously, I'm here for two more years. Hopefully, I'm here for longer than that if if everything works out. So, um, I mean, I love the team. I love the guys. So, yeah, I'm definitely invested of trying to make the Blue Jays 
as best as they possibly can be for the next two years and obviously longer after that. So one of the one of the big things for this offseason was people kind of shitting on Toronto, right? The American media, as an American who hadn't played in Toronto before, what do you think is the biggest misconception of what people say about playing in Toronto? Here, here's here's the biggest issue with that. And I honestly, I like I saw Gosman. I I love Gosman. I love what Gosman said. But I was like, listen, I I played in New York, like. <laughs> You're 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 trying to attack. You're trying to attack a media base. When I say a media base, these reporters that are literally stationed in New York or LA. Like I'm I'm not trying to like discredit. Like I love Cleveland. Um, I grew up a, a huge Cleveland fan. Um, but the Cleveland fan, like the Cleveland reporters, don't even hold a candle to like the fourth best reporter out of New York or LA and stuff like that. So this whole, this whole like Toronto sucks or Toronto's not a place to go is literally just these reporters talking from LA and New York. And they're trying to protect their own, their own ass. Like they're not, they're not trying to do nothing but protect themselves. Like this idea that like players across the league love, love Toronto, love Toronto. They love going to Toronto they love Toronto, playing in Toronto. Um, so if you just like blind, like anonymous, anonymous voting is Toronto good or bad, it would be like 95% Toronto is unbelievable. Like, so this idea, this idea that Toronto sucks is just stupid. Like it, it's literally just major media companies trying to like protect their own job. Like, yeah, they want LA to be great. They want New York to be great. Because if LA is not good and New York's not good, then their jobs are trash. Like their jobs are bad. Like if Kansas City's unbelievable, if Detroit's unbelievable, if uh, St. Louis is great, if Milwaukee's great, all these smaller beat writers are significantly more powerful than LA beat writers and New York beat writers. So it's literally just these major beat writers just protecting themselves. And obviously you have Passons and you have all those guys that will always be the king. Um, but it's the main LA, New York beat writers that are just like literally like writing these dumb articles about how Toronto is not as good as New York. Again, you pull 90, 95% of the 95% of the players will say that's not even close to being true. Like, not even close. That's fair. I mean, and talking about the uh, free agent signing, stuff like that, I mean, I know you were pumped about it. You talked about it to me about him being a great piece. The Kevin Kiermaier signing coming back. Uh, what is he like in the locker room? I mean, everyone fucking loves this guy. I mean, he, like, even the young guys, you know it's good when you got guys like Ernie Clement going out of his way to text me, David Schneider going out of his way to text me about how fired up he is uh, for um, Kevin Kiermaier to be back. And that guy's a veteran presence. Or you can make the case of the best center fielder ever. Right. I mean, just the best defensive center fielder of all time. So it's always a good guy to have in your corner. Right. No doubt about it. Um, he just he just solidifies our, 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 our defense when it comes to like the when you start moving pieces, you just don't really know. Um, but we have the best outfield in baseball. Like yeah. uh, there wins above replacement and all that stuff. Like you can you can start arguing all that. But like defensively. um we want to be super aggressive pitching wise. And it's a lot easier to be super aggressive pitching wise when you have guys like just run the ball down. Um, so 
the Kiermaier thing is absolutely massive because one, from a defensive standpoint, it solidifies our defense in the outfield. And then two, um, he just a pro, he's a pro at bat. Like he, he just, he literally will take his walks. Um, he plays the game the right way offensively. Um, I know like personally in talking with him, like he, he's obviously wanting to be a little bit better offensively. I know he got banged up a little bit last year, which I think hurt him a little bit, but overall, um, what Kiermaier brings, I, I, I don't know what 29 other teams are doing, letting him come back to us. I really don't. Yeah, he said there was no teams really interested in him, uh, which is which is really fucking weird. I, I don't get it, but obviously a good defensive piece last year and a guy that it's like, I know fans were like loser posting, like we went from Otani to this, but Kevin Kiermaier is the best defensive center fielder of all time. And stats go back to show for that. I mean, maybe obviously a Mike Trout's in there as well, but um, he's just, he's so good. He's such a good locker room guy. Is that a guy that really rounds out the clubhouse really? Like just everyone loves him and, just every, like he gets along with everyone, he mentor mentors the kids and stuff like that. Yeah, he he he's a plus in the locker room, a plus on the field. Like we we will we are absolutely happy as hell to have him back. And I, I don't, he, I don't know. He said like not many teams wanted him or no teams want him. I, don't, I I'm I'm truly not even sure what he said. But like right now, like no teams want anybody. And like this whole free agency standpoint right now is kind of crazy like you look at the amount of guys that are out there right now um it doesn't make sense to me like there's a lot of stuff um from a free agent standpoint that just doesn't even make sense to me um i'm not saying like collusion with the owners and anything like that but like the fact that you have major 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 players still out there at this time of the year is is crazy like usually a lot of like 80% of those guys are gone by now. Like it is so like the fact that we have Bellinger still unsigned, the fact that we still have Chapman and in JD Martinez and Turner. And obviously you go from a pitching standpoint with Snell and you got Montgomery and you got all these guys still out there. Um, usually how, how free agents work is like the top guy has got to go before the middle guys start getting taken. Like, like, all these teams that are interested in, say, let's say Bellinger or or JD Martinez or whoever, those fourth best DH or the fourth best outfield, the fourth best fourth best first baseman or whoever it may be, they're not going to have any interest until those guys go. Like because all those teams are still looking at like maybe we can get a Bellinger, maybe we can get these guys. Like so, like I think if Kiermaier would have waited until those guys all would have went, his interest would have drastically increased. But but he loves Toronto. He loves the clubhouse. And he said, I'm not going to wait. For those uh, like Bellinger, Chapman guys, you think teams are looking too much into kind of advanced mm-hmm. analytics and not like looking at how much they really impact the teams? Because Chapman, incredible defender at third base, right? And it's like, okay, what's his bat going to do in seven years when we sign him to this deal? Yeah, honestly, I don't. I don't have it. Obviously, I'm best friends with Chappie. I talk with Chappie a lot. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to free agency, I, I, I truly, I truly don't ask a single thing. Like I like I've talked to Chappie so much this off season, and literally zero percent of it has been like, "Hey, have you had offers? Hey, what team are you going to? Hey, how much money are you going to ask for? How many years are you going to ask for?" I've not asked that question once i just i 
some people might say like it's not inappropriate for me to ask but to me personally i find it really inappropriate so i don't i don't ask any questions like that like none so like i don't have a single clue who's who he's talked to i don't know what he what money he's asking for i don't know how many years he's asking for um because personally like that's between between him and his family that's not between me so um i i'm in the blind like i'm I'm literally i know as much as you guys know do you feel like uh especially majority like a lot of these free agents i mean i don't think blake snell's has kids and stuff like that but do you think there's a lot more pressure like for example a guy like kevin kiermaier who's a family man who already lives here whose family obviously wants to know what they're doing next year for him to kind of sign earlier than majority of the other i know chavin doesn't have a kid kids and stuff like that but do you think there's more pressure for the people that do have families to sign early and i guess maybe not take less but make a, a decision that a decision quicker than what they would make if they didn't have a family and didn't have kids and stuff like that yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, just from a convenience standpoint, like it, it'd be so much, it's so much easier when you have a family to be like, Hey, like where are we staying for spring training? Where are we staying for the season? Um, is the family even going to be able to come because we don't even have housing yet for spring training. Um, so yeah, like, um, I, I think obviously I think January is going to be very, very hot with all the market, just because I think you, you got to get these guys somewhere. So um, I think January is going to be where everyone kind of falls in place. And where where does your kind of optimism come here with the Toronto Blue Jays? Obviously, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like the best off-season acquire, acquire, acquirements. I don't know if that even Acquisition. Acquisitions, sorry. <laughs> Acquisitions the Jays can make is just their big dogs being big dogs, right? Guys having better years than they did last year. A lot of down years last year for the Toronto Blue Jays, which is obviously very weird for us as fans to watch because we're used to the Toronto Blue Jays always being at the top. Uh, for home runs hit, runs produced, all that type of stuff. So last year was kind of a flip-flop. But um, are you kind of in the same boat where you're, like, kind of looking forward to seeing the bounce backs from, like, Varsho, Vladdy, Kirk, Springer, like all these guys? Are you more in that boat than pick up a big, big bat and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm in both. Like, I, I want all the big bats, but I also want Vladdy to come back and Varsho to come back. I want, I want, I want everybody, honestly. So, um. Yeah, I, I think we are in a very unique situation where we have, like, so say, say, like, I'm very high on Francis. I love Francis. Um, obviously, Ricky being there, waiting, chomping at the bit, and he could be unbelievable. Um, you have Manoa. Like, we're in a very, very good situation where we have legit potentially six or seven big league starters yeah um but like the thing is like everyone talks about like trades in in the in the in the starting rotation which is i guess it's a possibility but like there's no rush for that at all like and i'm saying that from just a personal standpoint i have not talked to anybody about this but like why why rush why rush trading someone right now like you can trade someone in spring training like you can you can get you can get four-fifths of the way through spring training and then say hey we like manoa looks unbelievable we're penciling him in like like all these guys look great okay we're, we're good so now we can move somebody but like say 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 we say we trade for whatever reason. Say we trade two starters to get pieces, and then all of a sudden we have one or two guys go down in spring training, and now you're like, "Gosh dang it! I wish we didn't make that trade." Like, yeah. 
you don't need to trade people right now. We're, we, we are in a great spot where like we, we, we can sit there on our hands and just wait. Cause, cause like starters are going to get hurt in spring training. It always happens. It always happens. Believers going to get hurt in spring training. It always happens. Um, hopefully like last year we were super healthy. Um, but across the league, there's going to be major starters to go down. And then all of a sudden the Toronto Blue Jays are sitting there with six of them. And now you're going to have a phone call and their value went sky high. So like what you could have got now versus what you could get then is, is significantly more. So um, I think we are set up great. I, I, I like Ross, I think has done an unbelievable job. I don't mean you've talked about this. I, I think Ross has been an unbelievable um, and obviously Mark too. Um has been has been unbelievable when it comes to like making this roster and the rosters like the the health wise of the roster like how good the roster is is unbelievable so like you don't need to panic because we have the guys there and now it's just like just do the smart thing for the short term and the long term yeah i it makes sense i mean we talked about Bowden francis i mean this is a guy who in my opinion and i i talked about we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago it's like he has earned a right to be like to at least fight for a starting position or starting uh, pitcher spot. I mean, the guy had a one seven last year. His stuff is fucking nasty, right? Avery, you were talking about his baseball savant. His stuff is unbelievable. His pitches uh, produce a pretty decent amount of swing and misses. When you see a guy like that so young and have so much success in the major leagues at his age, is that something where you're like looking at him like, man, you just got it. Like, have you talked to him and just like talked about like, or even given him advice from stuff you've seen from him, uh, him so far? Yeah, I'm, we we all talk to him a lot. Like Francis has, like Francis is unbelievable. Like how how mature he is mentally, how how much much he wants to learn. Like he's he's one of the few guys. Like he's he was a bullpen guy last year, obviously for us. And when the starters when the starters are throwing bullpens, like bullpen guys don't watch the starters throw bullpens. That's just the way it kind of is. But Francis is in the bullpen watching the starters throw bullpens. Like Francis, Francis is like want to like learn his his want to like be better, his want to um like honestly, like I I I I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he wants to be a big league starter. I think he definitely can be a big league starter. Um he has everything. Now it's just a matter of just getting the opportunity. And I think he will at some point. But again, we're in a great spot where, I mean, as crazy as it is, I, I can see Francis being the closer. I can see the Francis being the, the eighth inning guy, the, the, the long relief guy, the star, a starter. I can, see, I can see him doing any role because that's how good his stuff is. But at the end of the day, like, starters are kings. So um, I know he wants to be a starter. Yeah, he can't. He came on here and said that he. I was got, kind of talking the same thing, like, "Hey, who are you talking to pregame when people are throwing?" He's like, "Yeah, you know what? I tried to go to the starters every time." I want to kind of talk about some of your pitch mix stuff. Our friend YJ's wanted to know why you throw sinkers up in the zone so much compared to everyone else. Because we look at your heat map here, there's not a lot of down and in sinkers. There's a lot up in the zone. When do you start doing that? What is your thought process behind that? Uh, I mean, when I came up, everyone was like sinkers down and away, sliders down and away. I mean, like, I'm sorry, sinkers down and in, sliders down and away. Just like exit at the bottom. Ground ball, yeah. Well, then everyone started just dropping their barrel at the bottom of the zone. 
And it's a from a from a hitting standpoint, honestly, if you talk to a lot of the guys, like a lot of the guys, like they want the ball at the bottom of the zone. It's a lot easier to hit at the bottom of the zone. You just drop the barrel to a ball. And so the more and more I went up, the more and more I had success. And the more and more I was like, instead of like throwing sinkers down and in, I started throwing sinkers like middle in. Um, when I say middle in, I mean like black inside, yeah. middle height. And it, they they had a, a lot harder time to get of getting to it. Um, so this idea of throwing like fastballs down the zone, it's just a lot easier to, to hit, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean... I think your damage goes up the more you can, like you, the more you stay like the the middle height. But I think you could get a lot more easy outs at the same time. This is the question that's a little bit off topic here that I want to talk about. Me and Avery, we always obviously we do the live streams for Gate Fourteen and stuff like that. When you're pitching and you're pitching at your best, we always talk about how miserable you look when you're on the like when you're pitching good. You're just like you, you pretty much look like what you're pretty much just like fuck this. When when you are locked in, do you sometimes look back at the games you're pitching at and when you're on the mound and the camera pants to you and how fucking mad you look when you're even shoving? Like, do you notice that type of stuff or have you always been like that? No, I mean, I definitely kind of notice like mannerisms and stuff like that and like facial <laughs> expressions and stuff. But like to me, like the, when I'm at the best, when I'm at best, I'm thinking. I'm not trying to like overdo anything. Like, so like I think my my thinking uh, comes across as like he's pissed off. So I, I just try to like the more and more I can have like a clear head and like kind of like think rather than like something pisses me off or something like makes me mad or something like I get emotion emotionally invested in like the other team or emotionally invested in the moment or the game, the worse I become because I'm not thinking of what I want to do. So like, I'm just trying to like stay like literally in my little bubble on the mound and just like tune everything else out, like literally everything else out. Um, and that's it. Like, so yeah. Like for example, obviously the the two inning, the 200 innings last year, you hit it in the last game. Right. I mean, was that something you went into the game kind of talking about with Pete? Like, listen, Pete, I've never done this before. I I, want to throw 200 innings this year. I will do whatever it takes. Was that like a pre-goal for you going into that game? Like, did you know you were going to do that? No. I mean, that never once did I talk about it with anybody, literally anybody. <laughs> um, every, everyone knew. Like, literally, I didn't have to say a word to Snides or P or anyone. Like, everyone knew. But, like, the caveat was, like, we got playoffs in, like, six days. So, like the only possible way that I could have done it was just been super efficient. And so like in my head, I was like, okay, like I have a chance to do it. Like I can't make, I can't, I can't have like long at bats. I can't have walks. So like, um, yeah, like I got, I got lucky because, um, I had got a lot of quick outs. So yeah, it it wasn't something like I had to address with anybody. Like everyone knew. Cause that rocked, man. I mean, obviously, even even just like look, looking back on it, like the standing ovation you got coming off the mound and stuff like that. I I obviously wanted to kind of go a little bit more into the Toronto fans about that because I mean they love you here, dude. I mean, honestly, you've kind of embraced the city well, obviously, and all that type of stuff. But what what is what has your time been like here, especially dealing with Toronto sports fans so like that? You came from New York fans where they will let you have it. You'll get death threats. You'll get tweeted out. Like people will say this shit to your face. 
to, I guess, more of like a friendly understanding type of fan base here in Toronto. So what has that difference kind of been like for you? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, I, I think uh, I, from from a baseball standpoint, it's been unbelievable. Like Toronto's been unbelievable. Um, like the one thing that like it's not a regret by any means because it's my kid, but like the one thing last year that like hindered a lot of like say like the things we want to do or like not like go out to like nice restaurants or go out to like like I'm a big outdoors person. Like go out to like different places outdoors. Like like new like. New York, the other, I mean, I never, like, I went to the city, like, one or two times, like, but, like, Toronto, like, there's so many, like, outdoor, outdoor things to do, like, hour, two hours outside of the city, like, so many, like, lakes and stuff I want to go to, but, like, last year having our, our, our boy, we weren't really able to do any of that, so I'm super jacked to, like, kind of wander out this year now that we kind of have, not a, not a newborn, but he's obviously much older and he can travel in a car and stuff. But I mean, as as a fan base, as a city, it's really hard to beat um, Toronto. I like talking uniform stuff with you. I know you do all the different gloves, different colors. City Connects feels like we're getting them this year. You're designing the City Connect jersey. Where do you start? What does it look like? The black jerseys, fuck. I've said this time and time again. I've been roasted for this on Twitter and social media oh. for it. I want a black jersey. I want it back. I'll be honest with you, the more and more City Connect jerseys that get rolled out, the more and more I hate it. Yeah, they stink, most of them. Most of them are trash, so. (laughs) Which um, one do you like? Which one do you like the best? You pitched against the Reds when they were wearing it, right? Or was that Burrios? That might have been Burrios. The Reds one's fuck. No, I'm pretty sure I I pitched against that that game. Um, I'm pretty sure. The Reds ones weren't bad. Like San Diego, I liked theirs. Yeah. Um. But overall, I just don't like them. Like, like the White Sox one, like the all black White Sox one. That was the that was one, right? Yep. Yeah. I like that one just because it was kind of like that. That is like Chicago White Sox, but uh, overall, for the most part, a lot of them were just terrible. So, like, I I think it's a cool idea. I, I think it's cool to kind of get the fan bases going, but. If I'm trying to design a City Connect jersey for Toronto, like I would say I'm staying, I'm I'm staying with the white, but I'm I'm making it like you're gonna have like stuff about Toronto, stuff about Canada, like you're gonna have the tower on there, you're gonna have like say things from Vancouver and things like that, like you just put like emblems and stuff on the jersey to show like you're all of Canada rather than like some crazy, some crazy color scheme. I don't, I don't care about the crazy colors. Well, Bassi, you do know, uh, you, I think you have the harsh reality of this. We fucking hate the red jerseys. <laughs> um, everyone on the planet hates the red jerseys. I hate the red jerseys. Maybe the most I've been kind of like the spearhead, the advocate for it. The Jays refused to win in the red jerseys. And was that something that you kind of learned? Uh, as you went, because I mean, I, you, you picked the red jerseys a couple of times. Was that you or Barrios this year that picked the red jerseys? Me one time. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Literally. I, I picked them. Cause I was like, do these things. I like, I like them. Like, I think they look cool. They're new. Like I've never like worn before. No one's worn them. And I was like, they became available. I'm like, I'm wearing them. like we're rocking. And then like we wore them and then like, we sucked and 
everyone's like, bro, the red jerseys, like, they're like cursed, dude. Like, do not wear them. <laughs> and like, so like, literally every player, every fan was like, dude, these red jerseys are not it. Do not wear them. And I was like, what? And yeah, so like, I was like, all right, never wearing them. So like, we wore them one one other time. I think it was for Canada Day, and that was it. Like, we never wore them again. Like, people hate them. And and another thing, speaking about like big games stuff like that, you obviously got to see this year, uh, the Joey Bats jersey retirement and stuff like that. When you guys are like warming up pregame, I know Garrett Cole cried about like how long the ceremony was and stuff like that. What was that ceremony like for kind of you, like just being a baseball fan and getting to see like a a legend here in Toronto be embraced? That game was fucking bananas, sold out. The tickets were like three hundred dollars for the nosebleeds. What was it like for you to kind of see it firsthand? The kind of reception you get here in Toronto when you're like a legend and you obviously have success here in the city. Yeah, I man, started that game, so I was I was like, I, I knew going in it was gonna be it's gonna be the game's gonna be delayed, the ceremony is gonna be long. But like, I mean, if you if you watch like Joey Bats at all, like he deserves every bit of that. And like the fan base, how crazy they were like, dude, that's so sick. Like that's like every player's dream, obviously. So, um, I, I, I don't know how you get mad at that. Like it, like, I don't think I, when Garrett Cole gets his number tired or whatever it may be, like, cause I think he's definitely in the, in the class of getting numbers retired and stuff like that he's not going to want some, some starter to be like, Hey, like you need to have this thing be faster. <laughs> like, like, so like, enjoy the moment. Like you're just honoring an all time great. And like, it's, it's sick. Like, but like, yeah, hanging the ban- banner, honestly, for the most part, for me, I would say the bigger thing is like him, him and his family, like seeing his family and like how emotional they are because of how much obviously they had to go through and invest for his career, like seeing his family. Um, that's what gets me, honestly, like his kids and stuff like that. That's the coolest part to me. Yeah, for sure. I And you playing in the AL East now and stuff like that. I mean, obviously you talked about like there's certain teams that you guys hate and stuff. It, do you have you kind of in your mind opened up or started a rivalry with a certain team in the American League East that you kind of hate now or like ha- have you kind of started that because obviously for us it'll always be the Yankees I hate Yankee fans we deal with Yankee fans the most obviously through this podcast and stuff but is that like have you is there certain rivalries now that you've kind of starting to understand playing for the Toronto Blue Jays <laughs> this is gonna sound bad but no um like I I like Cora like as a person, like I, I've had, I've, I've played with, with the Mets with his brother. So like the Cora family, like I have high regards for like them. Um, I love, I love Boston, um, New York. Obviously I, I like New York. Um, I'm not saying I like the Yankees, but I like New York. I, I have so much respect and like admiration for like Aaron judge. Um, I think Garrett Cole is like the apex of pitching. Um, then Baltimore is like a cool story with all these like young guns. I have a lot of friends on on Baltimore, um, Tampa. I have a ton of friends on Tampa's team. So like, it's not so much to me like, it ain't so much to me like, I hate this team or that team. It's like to me, I'm like, I hate every team because every single team is like trying to like beat us, and every single team's trying to win a World Series, and like that's something like we're trying to do. So like, you're just trying to get in our way. So like, for me, for me like. I honestly don't hate 
any any singular team. It's more so like you guys are trying to beat me. You guys are trying to beat us, and I'm just like, let's just not let that happen. What are your uh, some of your big goals going in into this season? Because obviously, 200 innings kind of pinnacle, right? The Cy Young stuff like that. For you, looking back, looking forward to this season, what are just some of your goals that you have? I would say get 200 innings again, um, and then go much deeper in the playoffs. That's 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 literally the two goals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that, that, and get you what... to pitch in the playoffs, man. I mean, fuck, that sucks. <laughs> like 200 innings, three sections, you didn't even get to throw, man. I mean. Obviously, we're gonna go game three, but damn. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but like, yeah, I would say that's the two goals: is just get get our, get our team deeper into the postseason. Obviously, you got to get to the postseason, but get our team deeper into the postseason and throw two hundred innings again. And I talked about this with you, and I've talked about this with your brother. I mean, I need you to see the Roger Center in the playoffs, man. It's it's fucking crazy. It's 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 absolutely like I was there. Uh, the eight one game. Obviously, I don't want to talk. Bring that back up against the Mariners. One of the craziest atmospheres I've ever been a part of in my life. It was. It's uh, it's like a one in a million. I couldn't even imagine being a player involved in that type of stuff. So it's going to be uh, absolutely incredible. But this is the last thing that I didn't want to talk about. Obviously, I mean, going into next year, we talked about all these guys coming back and all, all. Like, where are you at right now with like your confidence in this ball club? And maybe just kind of talk to fans off the ledge because they're obviously we have tons of fans here talking about they want moves, they want transactions. And I've been kind of speaking about and preaching about like, man, this team is good. I mean, we got Calvin Biggio who made a massive turn in the second half last season. We got Vladdy who was a former MVP candidate. Varsho was supposed to be good, obviously very down year. Springer is going to be good. Like just maybe talk to fans here off the ledge about like how good this team is even being in the clubhouse and seeing how they go about it every single day. Yeah, I think uh, internally we're making like a lot of really good changes, but I think for the biggest thing, like why I'm so like, I'm chilling, like I'm comfortable as can be is like, we have the best pitching staff in baseball. Like, so like, I, I don't worry ever really about the hitting side because I'm not, I'm not a hitter. I'm not trying to get into that realm of hitting. I'm not trying to go and tell people how to hit. Um, but we have the best pitching staff in baseball. We have, we have one of the best bullpens. We have the best starting staff. Um, starting always beats pitching. So I'm, I'm, my confidence is still absolutely sky high because I think Kevin Gosman can win a Cy Young this year. Um, and then obviously the rest of the guys, uh, I think we're chilling because I, <laughs> Kevin Gossman is, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can pump this guy's tires anymore. He's bigly, he knows who we are. There is a million people that tweet at Kevin Gossman about the Gate 14 podcast. He's going on fucking around the horn with that guy, Eric Kratz. He's going, at least he hasn't been on the Wilner pod. So there's, at least we're cool with that, but I don't know where I'm at with K Goss, Avery. I don't. I don't know where I'm at with this guy. Well, well, the thing with him is I could watch him pitch every day, and I'd be fine with that. So I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I guess that makes up for it. Just <laughs> once you embrace the brand, it's just like we're we're your guys forever. So I don't know. We'll see where uh, Kevin. Maybe maybe spring training, Avery, will get in his ear. Um, I think he's building suspense. Yeah, he's like building that. suspense. He knows who we are. He knows who we are. He knows the clicks team. game. Taylor Gossman has liked our tweets. She knows maybe the she doesn't like the weed tweets. I don't know. We'll see. But Kevin <laughs> Gossman is a fucking dog. I mean, obviously, and one guy that a lot of people have been talking about, and me and you talked about actually, Bassett was I, I actually want to end with this, obviously, is Kevin Biggio, man. I mean, you talked about how good of a hitter he is. 
you saw day in, day out how good he was defensively, how, how much he made up for Matt Chapman at third last year. The plays Biggio was making was insane, especially at second base as well. Just maybe talk about what you've seen as like a vet um, come from uh, Calvin Biggio, how he goes about it, how he is in the locker room and all, all that. Yeah, I just think I just think he has like work ethic. Um, to, to me, from a hitting standpoint, like the, how I grade hitters is like, do you take pro at bats or do you not really have a clue what you're doing? And Biggio takes pro at bats. Like the guy, the guy doesn't swing at balls. Um, he takes his walks. I think his power numbers can be better um, in the aspect of like, he just gets more at bats. I think he hit more home runs, more doubles. Um, but we had a number of guys go down in the second half and he obviously got a lot more playing time and he started hitting great. He had, I don't even know, non-base percentage of like what, 400. So like, so like the fact that he's willing to like make a pitcher throw pitches where he wants them to, rather than just like swing at everything that's getting thrown at him. Like we need seven, eight of those guys. And that that's, that's what makes, that's what makes really te- like teams really hard to pitch against is like when you have pro at bats. Like if you, the more pro at bats you have in a lineup, the harder the lineup is to pitch against them. Like and so like to me, to me, it's just like it's it's, it's an easy one for me because like like I said, it's like how how he's able to constro- control the strike zone, how he's able to do what he wants to do, how he's able to move runners over how he's able to play defense i i think it's just i mean i i love biggio i really do so good so fucking good but anyways bassin man i mean obviously we're like what Avery? what was it what did i say 50 49 days until uh the first spring training game which is still absolutely bananas to me i still can't believe how close we are but um we're fired up for you man uh obviously a good friendship we've started here obviously through the podcast and all that type of stuff so uh, we're excited to see what you do next year, man. Massive part of the team, and uh, I'm ex- let's have ourselves a fucking year. Why not us, man? I mean, I, I, this is going to be – I feel like this is going to be oh, – there's a lot of haters this year. Jays are getting downplayed a lot. So I think this is going to be a, obviously the best year we've had in a long time. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm look, looking forward to having you a part of it. So let, let's have ourselves a 2024. Let's do it. Stay calm and trust the front office, everybody. Relax. <laughs> relax. You too, Avery. Relax. Yeah, yeah, I'll be relaxed.